Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22. Let's go into the word of God. Tonight I've titled this, Naked and Not Ashamed. Naked and Not Ashamed. Naked and Not Ashamed. As we start to drop closer to the end of our experience together for the month of September as a singles gathering, I want to start to deal with certain, you know, very important things that we need to take with us as we go into the rest of the year and into uh, the coming years so that we live with the understanding of them. So Genesis 2 uh, and verse 22, the Bible says, the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made um, into a woman. And he brought out to the man and, and said to, to Adam, this is now. Okay. I think, uh, let me read it plainly from, uh, from the screen here. And he said to Adam, this is now bone of, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And uh, the Bible says in verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Verse 25, the last one says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Lift your right hand with me this evening. Our Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. Let it minister grace to every hearer. Holy Spirit, we ask that you infuse our heart with passion for your word and passion for understanding the principles to live by as singles. We ask that you move over this service today. Heal our hearts. Set us free. Grant us understanding. Grant us, let your light shine upon our heart and let no one remain the same in Jesus' precious name. Somebody say, believe in amen. All right, I know it's been a raining day in Lagos, Nigeria, but I'm sure you have enough energy to go through this service. Say amen, somebody. Great. The Bible says in verse 25, the last verse of uh, Genesis chapter 2, it says, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So, uh, as a single person, before you get into marriage, one of the things that you need to start to consider very well is how prepared you are to be naked and not ashamed. How prepared you are to be naked and not ashamed. In the beginning, nakedness was natural to man. It was natural to man in the beginning. Nakedness was natural to man. Both the male man and the female man that we call woman. The man with a womb. So when I say nakedness was natural to man, I'm not talking about only the male man. I'm talking about both the male man and the female man. So right there in the garden, from the time that they met, there was no covering. No covering. You know, the word intimacy means into me you see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, if you want to just make it literal, don't look at the dictionary. Just, just translate, you know, or transliteration, whatever you want to call it. Into me you see. It's beyond just seeing the physical. It's to be able to see into a person. Because real intimacy is naked and not ashamed. It's two coming together to become one. It's really looking into somebody, knowing somebody, understanding somebody, and doing life together. That's, that's intimacy. Intimacy is not sexual intercourse. No. No. Many people today are sleeping with strangers. 
<laughs> In the beginning, nakedness was natural to man. Adam and Eve were comfortable. They were comfortable with their own nakedness and also each other's nakedness. Yeah. You, you know where it starts from is for you to be comfortable with your nakedness. Some of us are still, <clears throat> we still have inhibitions when it, when it comes to being open even to ourselves or doing self-examination or just, you know, just being open to yourself or appraising yourself, whether physically or emotionally or otherwise, sometimes we, we, we find it very difficult to be open to ourselves. I counseled a lady before who said, you know, at a point in her life, she, she, she couldn't look at herself naked in the physical. So she will switch off the lights when she wants to dress up, you know, and all that. Yeah. Because, and it's because of what she's been through, or what she's been through and what she has been through. Everything that has happened to her brought her to a point where it was difficult to see herself naked. Sometimes we block our minds from being emotionally naked to ourselves. You don't even want to, you, want to, you don't want to remember where you have been. Yeah. Now, if I'm not going to be that open to myself, then do I really have the capacity to be open to another person? <laughs> I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Am I, is this resonating with anybody today? You know there are some things that you, 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 don't, you, you don't want to deal with them. You, you, you can't deal. Just yourself. Just all by yourself. You don't even want to come to you know, the realization. You, you don't want it to cross your mind again that this is where you're being. Or this is what you're being through. And everything is still, we, we, we let go of them, but they, one way or the other, have one level of impact or the other on where you are. And if you don't open up yourself to them, I mean, for instance, if, if you're not open and truthful to how certain experiences in life have affected you, you may not be able to overcome them or move beyond that because you are still in denial. Yeah, you're in denial. There are some people that are angry. Angry about the fact that Maybe your, your dad walked out of the house while you were young. I mean, in the past week, we read the story. I don't know whether you were conversant with that online, but, you know, a popular gospel artist, Kirk Franklin, and his own story of how his father walked, I mean, not his father, his parents gave him up for adoption when he was still very small. I can't remember what age they gave him up for adoption. His, his, his father and his mother. And he was, I mean, especially very bitter with his father. And about a week plus ago, he got a call, an anonymous strange call, that his biological father, whom he has not seen in forever in his adult life, or he, he probably couldn't even remember what he looked like because he was given up for adoption when he was still very small. That the man was going to die, you know, was going to die within the next two months, terminal cancer, and the doctors told him that he has just about 60 days to leave. So somebody close to him, located, knowing that this is his boy, called Kek. And, and then he flew down to Houston to see the man. And he wrote, check, check his Instagram page. You know, even if you don't follow him, you can just check. He, he, he wrote the, the story there, and he said, you know what? I've come to terms now with the fact that I've been hungry with this man all my life. 
and I've preached forgiveness everywhere I've gone. I've preached forgiveness through my songs, but there's still one person that I've not forgiven. Or at least I've not told him to his face that I've forgiven you. So that's why I, I flew down to Houston. He sat with the man. They both were crying together. Uh, and he told the man, I forgive you. Go, go and meet your maker in peace. Yeah, I've forgiven you. How do you walk out of your past and the effect of the past without acknowledging that there was a past? <laughs> and that it has an effect. And sometimes the effect is still overbearing in the present. I mean, the truth that you must you know, be aware of is that the past, the present, and the future are intricately connected. It takes grace, the help of the Spirit, and being truthful to myself to, you know, cut off from the negative effects of my past so that it doesn't come into my present and it won't escape with me into my future. And it starts with, first and foremost, being naked with myself. Being naked with myself. So you need an appreciation of your weight to determine who has the capacity to carry you. Can I say that one more time? I said, you need an appreciation of your own weight to determine who has the capacity to carry you. Many people are looking for people to carry them, and you don't know your weight. You have never weighed yourself before. Yeah. Yeah. I need a babe. I need a guy. You know, a dude. You don't even know what you weigh. And, and which dude can carry this weight. Because some dudes are weightless emotionally. And you have weight emotionally. So they can't carry you. <laughs> or at least let the dude go to emotional gym and build muscle. Build some muscle based on the fact that this weight you want to carry. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody here tonight? We're talking naked and not ashamed. And it's beyond physical nakedness, like I said. There's something more, something more than physical nakedness. So you need to understand yourself before you can determine who compliments you. So I need to be naked to myself first and foremost. I know all the things that I'm dealing with. And be able to appreciate both my physical nakedness, my emotional nakedness, my spiritual nakedness, whatever kind of nakedness. To my, it starts with me. Adam and Eve, they were both naked first and foremost to themselves and then naked to each other. We live in a time and an age where many people want other people to be naked to them, but they're not willing to be naked to other people. Marriage cannot work. Yeah. These are part of the reasons why many marriages are failing today. Because you want other people to be naked to you, but you don't know that you are not even ready for any level of nakedness. You're not even ready for any level of nakedness. So let's, let's, let's look deeper into this verse. So avoid unguided nakedness. Let me talk through that. Avoiding unguided nakedness. Because many singles also find themselves just being naked at random. <laughs> yeah. Naked there, naked here. Before you know it, you can't even understand yourself again. Yeah. You know why I said that? When you start to become naked all around the place, there are certain parts of you that people have to interpret for you. Yeah. You know I can't see my butt. <laughs> That's the truth. I need, you know, sometimes somebody that will interpret that to you. I don't mean it literally. 
but I mean, you understand, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody has to inter- interpret that to you. So when you're naked, naked all over the place, this person gives you his own interpretation, that one gives you two interpretations. At a point in life, you are mixed up, you have lost your person- sense of personal identity. You are mixed up between what this person said, what that person said, what that person said, and you are vague in your mind about who you are. That's a result of, you know, unguarded nakedness. I mean, for instance, being physically naked in the open and not being ashamed is a contradiction of nature. It's seen as a sign, a sure sign of mental sickness. Am I saying the truth? When you're just, you know, naked, I mean, you can imagine after the service, you are out there and you just met somebody on the street who is not wearing anything. Your first inclination, what will be your first inclination? You can't say, oh, it's a new style. Or, or maybe it's just a spiritual thing. Maybe he just wants God to answer his prayer. That's why he went. I don't know what you attribute it to, but mental illness. Am I saying the truth? Does anybody have any other interpretation? Maybe you can help us. You interpret it as mental illness. Now, if that is the case, it means that when I've lost any sense of shame, being naked to a stranger, then I also have a problem. I will say together. If you have lost every sense of shame to being naked to a stranger, you have a problem. We live in a time and an age where the appropriate sense of shame that should go with unguarded nakedness, indiscriminate nakedness, is gradually eluding us. It's becoming, I mean, we've attributed it to many things, like fashion, like just being cool, you know. But attributed it to many things. So, People can get down with anybody and just, and just see, move on with life. You see, <laughs> let me digress a bit. When we talk about sex outside of marriage, many people don't understand it. I still got an email this past week from someone who says, Pastor, you know, I need you to explain to me. My friends are married, um, we're the same age, you know, I'm a bit mature as a single person and all of them are having sex. And the only reason why I'm not having sex is no, I'm not married. That's not fair. That's exactly what the person wrote to me. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and if perhaps if the person is watching online or here, I can answer your question right now. Yeah. See, the people that you seem to be envying and you are saying that it's not fair, one is that they are having sex quite all right, but you don't know the responsibility they are bearing yeah, in that relationship. Two is that it's not unguided, it's not indiscriminate exposure of what is supposed to be private. There's a covenant between them and the people they're married to. There's emotional security that comes from Exposing yourself, either physically or emotionally, within a marriage that you cannot get 
when you do, when you have the same kind of exposure being single. Emotional security. Yeah. Because at least the person has pledged something to you. Whether they mean it or they don't mean it, it's a different case. But you are sensible enough to get their commitment. So that you can protect yourself. Somebody stay with me today. Praise God. So many single people are having or have become comfortable with unguarded nakedness without shame. It's a contradiction in terms. Yeah. The moment I can pull my trouser and pull anything and I don't feel any sense of shame, I'm drawing closer to being just like any other animal. <laughs> uh, can I be very real with us this evening? Yeah. I told you that we're going to be discussing some very serious matter. Yeah. I'm just getting closer to. And God created man as the epitome of his creation. Yeah. The epitome. Man is the epitome of, of God's creation. Yeah. Man has a capacity to function at the level of God. Yeah. And there are many things, time will not permit me to go into that, that differentiates man from animals. But sometimes, the devil lures, maybe with think, telling us that you have fun or you, it, it's cool, you know, and all that, to descend back below the level where God has placed us. So a sense of shame is part of how God has created us. It's one of the things that help you to maintain a balance in life. The moment that sense of shame is eroded, you start to do unthinkable things. The man and his wife, they were naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. But something happened there that took the shame away. <laughs> it's not natural to be naked and not ashamed. Are you still with me today? Yeah. And it's when we get into the covenant environment, which is what makes marriage different, that's what brings us into that atmosphere where it's possible to be naked and not be ashamed. So unguarded nakedness exposes you to danger. Many people are sleeping with strangers today. People are willing to be naked to you physically, but not naked to you emotionally or spiritually. Yeah. Naked and not ashamed must be beyond physical. Must be beyond physical. Some of us will want to invest our money. You will ask all kinds of questions about the organization or the fund managers, you know, what's their track record? Are people lost money here? You know, what, what, what percentage interest rate would they give me? Who will be the people managing the money? Yeah, if it's a trading company, what are they trading in? Is it commodities, is it bond, is it, you know, what financial instruments are they using? You ask, if you're very financially literate, you ask all those questions, I'm asking the truth. Yeah, now you want to trade emotionally, you're asking no question. And you don't know that emotional currencies are much more important than physical money. Yeah. You can lose money today and make money tomorrow. If you lose your mind, you become irrelevant in this planet. Yeah. You become somebody that people cannot relate with. Have you seen an emotional wreck before? Yeah. A broke person is better than an emotional wreck. Because a broke person can still go and work and make money. But when somebody's mind 
is down and out. The person is irrelevant, cannot process information, cannot interact with the elements of this world, so it becomes irrelevant. I thought somebody would clap for me. <laughs> and I know somebody is wondering, why are we clapping? You are, you are whipping us. Is there we should be clapping? <laughs> but we're, ha we're having fun, right? Yeah, we, we need to talk about important things. Because the transition between single life into a married life is an emotional transition. It's, it's, it's more emotional than any other thing else. Because in marriage, your emotional stability is going to be tested. Why do you think we have, you know, escalating level of violence and abuse in marriages today? People are no longer as emotionally stable as human beings used to be. Yeah. Two people are talking. They are arguing. And somebody is laughing. I say, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? And then you carry a bottle. You break it on her head for laughing. Yeah. It's just laughter. She didn't even say anything. But the laughter, the person is not emotionally stable. So you can't even handle laughter. Somebody cannot laugh at you. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're emotionally stable, anybody can laugh at you. And you're just like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know people are not emotionally stable. Even if they don't know you before, you're working on this, it's always like, you're laughing. You say, what's, what's funny? What's funny? And they're coming to meet you. If you don't run, they will slap you. <laughs> I don't know if you're guessing what I'm saying. That's what I'm... So that kind of person, how can the person survive in a marriage? Because you'll be tested emotionally. And you have to come to the point where you understand where you are emotionally. You have to be naked to yourself emotionally. I'm prone to anger. Understand it, know it for yourself. That's how to be naked to yourself. So that when you meet somebody, you can say, bros, I have anger problem. Small thing can switch me from this, you know, uh -huh. I can switch. <laughs> you know, you know this diva you're looking at can switch to become a demon. Yeah. This is just something small. So don't go there. And the person knows, so we're working on it together. Yeah. And then the person sees you manifest once. I say, ah, it's true. <laughs> and then we can talk about how we go for counseling, you know, and all that. The person can even buy you a book on anger management, and you receive it with grace and say, thank you. Not that somebody buys you a book, say, what? What? Who told you I have anger problem? Ah. He said, you that you almost broke bottle last night. You said you don't have anger problem. <laughs> I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. But a lot of the time, we are more comfortable overlooking all those things and just be chasing ourselves all around town. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody is telling you you don't have anger problem. You are going to the cinema together and somebody did not trafficate and cross in front of them to turn. And the guy is angry or the lady is angry. And for the first time, you are hearing crossword and all that. You have to. My advice is that when you find yourself in that kind of situation, you are quiet. You, in, you internalize this scenario very well. You now ask yourself, we need to discuss this. It's part of being naked and not ashamed. The person needs to understand that a real Christian does not talk like this, even at the face of provocation. Because the name he called that guy is going to call you when he's angry with you. If he called the guy 
anything and use F word or call the guy a bitch or whatever, it's going to say the same. Yeah. You can even use it on your parents when he's angry with them. Now, that's the truth. We've seen all these things in counseling. But when he uses it on somebody else, you didn't say, oh God, let's have a good talk about this. This, this is not okay. Yeah. Naked, another shame. When you preoccupy yourself with you know, physical intimacy before marriage, you limit real intimacy and risk building on wrong foundation. That's what I've been explaining. Yeah. Many people interpret intimacy as sex, lovemaking. Yeah. Real intimacy is when we can talk. <laughs> yeah. When we can sit down and say, ah, bros, the way you spend money, I'm afraid of. Yeah. Or sister, this here that you are carrying is more expensive than your monthly salary. Do you have another source of income? Or are you a small girl of a big God? <laughs> so that we understand what we are dealing with. <laughs> I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Just by the way, for people who don't understand what I'm saying, or people who may be watching online from another country, a small girl of a big god. Um, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Nigerian term for, for ba- babes who, who deal big. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe one of you will explain one of you will help me. <laughs> Somebody wants to help me. Oh. Somebody should help me now. At least, okay. Thank you, Jerry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Small girl with big God is a general term for a lady whose monthly salary doesn't connote their average lifestyle. How do you know she's not correct? And we're asking you to help us explain it. And you're not raising your hand. She tried now. So anybody that says she's not correct, help us. This is microphone I'll give you now. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> okay, what we're saying is that those ladies, they deal. <laughs> they... <laughs> let, let me go on with my message. God bless you. <laughs> But you understand what I'm talking about? So when, when you find yourself in that kind of arrangement and all you, you're looking forward to is when you're going to, you know, passionately be kissing and be necking and be touching each other and then maybe even do the big one, you know, and all that. And that's all you do every time you meet together. And you say, ah, when they came, I know that shape. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's not what the scripture is talking about there. Yeah. The real physical nakedness is kept until there's a covenant. Emotional nakedness is managed because I'm supposed to learn how to grow in my capacity for vulnerability. You don't meet somebody one day and tell them your life history one day. But you grow in your capacity for vulnerability because marriage is about two people 
are open to being vulnerable with each other. Because some people will say, you know, he's only my best friend. That's why she's my best friend. She knows everything about me. Yeah. So you're comfortable with that person. The person you're going to marry must be that kind of person that you can be comfortable with. It doesn't start in one day, but you have to be open for it, open to it. And you have to be willing to trigger it because there will be appropriate moments, there will be appropriate situations that will make you ask certain questions that will trigger it. Then you'll be vulnerable with one another. If you're in a relationship right now and you're listening to me, and all you do is smile at each other, kiss each other, touch each other, you know, do all that. Every time you see like this, chemical is working, you know. <laughs> you can never get to the point of real intimacy because you have, you have short-circuited real intimacy. Sex will always short-circuit real intimacy. That's what it does. God is not a sadist that does not want you to enjoy your relationship. That's why I said don't have sex. No. He's trying to protect you. Yeah. He's trying to protect you. The vision of your home will not be bright and clear if you expose yourself to ungodly intimacy early. You know back in the day, we used to take picture. When they How many people? <laughs> I know some of you still met those days where you take a picture they would take it into the dark room process the film wash it and order and then bring it out and then print the picture there's what was called premature exposure to sunlight if you take a picture and you remove the film from the camera prematurely you expose the sunlight the thing will become blurry or faded completely faded when you start to overexpose yourself prematurely, there will, the vision of why we're together will be very faint, very faded. Our vision will become sex. <laughs> I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah, but I know what I'm saying. I'm just praying the Holy Spirit will help me to explain it to you very well. Yeah, the vision will become very faded. When you think about the person, the only thing you're thinking about is sex. You can't even think of five years down the line, how will our life together be? You know you can run a relationship very bad that somebody is calling you like this. Just seeing the person's call, your body is moving. Because all you think about is sex. The relationship is premised on indecent exposure and, you know, unguarded nakedness and all that. that and our, before we, when we scale our talk on 10, eh, 8 out of 10 is about how we're going to be together and do ourselves. I don't even know whether some of my terminologies are okay, but I'm just using it. <laughs> Praise God. Let's not reduce this thing to that. It's very important. I'm hammering on it because the devil has successfully, you know, wear out our resistance out. We're struggling. That's the truth. Say amen, somebody. Am I saying the truth? So, sex doesn't increase your vulnerability because sex outside of marriage does not build a foundation of trust. Yeah, that's one thing you must write down. You should try to write it down because you may forget it after now. Or maybe you get this message or watch it online. Yeah, 
Sex outside of marriage does not build a foundation of trust. It is chemistry that provokes such sex and not necessarily trust or openness. Let me start to tidy this up. Let's embrace, embrace responsible nakedness. Yeah. We talked about guarded nakedness. Now, responsible nakedness. One, we need to come to terms with the fact that there are other kinds of nakedness. Financial nakedness, emotional nakedness, spiritual nakedness, past experiences, some of the things I've spoken about. You need to be aware of them if you want to embrace responsible nakedness. Real intimacy is not possible without exposure of private part. But real private parts are in art matters. They're art matters. That, those real private part, they're art matters. My real private part is something in my heart that if you touch it, will either move me forward or throw me back. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. And all of us have our inner self. And God wants us to be aware of ourselves internally. Internally. Let's not premise, you know, single relationships on just the physical. There's more to me than my genitals. Or the things that you see. The real me is in. Yeah. And whether my life will go forward or go backwards is the investment I'm making inside here. And you're supposed to join me to make investments inside here. Now, if you don't know who I am here, there's no way you can appropriately help me to make investment here. Your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thought. Anyone that is in your life that is not helping you to improve the quality of your thought is not meant to be around you. Yeah. Some people are around you now, the only thing they successfully help you to do is not to think about anything important. Yeah. One of the commandments of foolishness, in my book, some commandments of foolishness is thou shalt not think. Anybody that will successfully excuse himself from thinking is bound to fail. And it's a full-blown degree order in foolishness. Yeah. Because you cannot, <laughs> you cannot be wise until you engage your mind. Because wisdom talks about the quality of the, the ability to make quality decisions. And it has to do with how you think. And these days we have many relationships, many friendships, where we are supposed to have opportunity for emotional nakedness, but those are the relationships distracting us from even being able to think and articulate where we are on the way to where we're going. So you need to be able to see yourself naked, like I said. You should know yourself and be true to yourself before you can reveal yourself to another person. So, let's look at quick ways, I mean, quick, some quick stuff on the things you should know about yourself. One, what is your personality type? There are so many tools online. Some will not take you more than 10 minutes. You will know your personality type. Yeah. Just Google personality test. Free personality test, if you don't want to pay money. Free personality test. Yeah. You see many that will come up and you just answer the questions and then they will tell you this is your personality. You are an outspoken person, you are sanguine, or you are choleric, or it's somebody who, you know, who tends to be very disciplined with himself and who 
has less empathy. Yeah. Who can deal very harshly with people and not feel it as a choleric. Yeah. Or you are a melancholic, which is somebody who thinks more than they talk, they're very quiet and very reserved. Yeah. Many people who are into arts and all that, there are people who are, many artists don't talk. They, they, you know, and people who design, people who do, the more melancholic in design prof profession, for instance, you know, people who are strategy thinkers, are more, a lot more of them are also melancholic people. But melancholic can be very frustrating because you want to talk, they don't want to talk. Yeah. Especially if you're sanguine and you have a melancholic friend. You are complaining. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk. He's a melancholic. Yeah. Melancholic are also a bit prone to depression because they, t they keep a lot of things here. They don't release it. Yeah. Sanguines are hardly depressed because they see everything. So you need to know who you are dealing with. Is this person a melancholic, a sanguine, a you know, phlegmatic person who needs a push all the time? Yeah. A phlegmatic is a bit laid back but very steady. You call them now. Let's go to Sasu already. Phlegmatic, very lawyer. The phlegmatic travel abroad and say he's coming. Wait, he, he, would, he will come back. Yeah. <laughs> Try with a sanguine. He has found another babe. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. What's your, what's, your, what's your personality type? What's your temperament? Do you know? Because these are the things that you need to be able to tell somebody about. And you need to know yourself first. Secondly, how has your upbringing and life experiences shaped you? Are you aware of it? Yeah. Are you more prone to anxiety? Are you afraid of being poor? Yeah. Just based on where you're coming from. Are you, you know, are you highly susceptible to anger? Are you an extremely emotional person? So that the person you are dating knows that the fact that you are crying does not mean that anybody has died. It's just that there's plenty of water. You know. yeah, you're, just, you're just an emotional person. Yeah. So that they, they, won't, they won't run away when you start to cry. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I know you prefer I say it better, but I don't know. <laughs> it, it, but, I mean, for emotional people here, yeah, I apologize the way I said that one. Yeah. It's not just about water. It's that you are Well, let's move on. Yeah, tonight is tonight. Let's move on. Um, what really are your values? That's another key area. Because if you don't know your values, the things that you stand for, it's difficult for you to, to understand the kind of person that you want to work with if you don't know your values. I mean, some people telling a lie is a deal breaker. They're not even a Christian or anything. They're just a stickler for the truth. But you know, if you know yourself, then it's easy for you to explain as we're getting into this friendship. But you know what? If, if we say it like this, that would be like that. It's a deal breaker for me. If, if I notice this. Some people their value for truth is not very high. They themselves know that they are struggling. Yeah. 
So when those two people meet, they first of all start out by lying to each other anyhow. Yeah. And it, it may not change anything because the other person also doesn't have any value for truth. So you tell the, a lie today, you apologize. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, uh, say you are in Yaba and then we just all of a sudden saw, you know, through maybe Google Map or something that you are on Lagos Island. You just say, sorry, sorry, I didn't know. You didn't know what? You didn't see the signpost where you are that. <laughs> I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. For someone, that relationship has ended. For some other persons, they can work with you, they can, they can help you. Now we can become more vulnerable with each other. You have a tendency to color the truth. Yeah. So, so next time I call you like that and you say, yourself, are you sure? Because, and you know, we can get to a point that we will laugh about it. It's not an issue. You say, ah, no, I told you now that that won't happen again, you know. And then we're growing together. Yeah. That's, that's, that's part of the nakedness that we're talking about. There are certain people in relationships, they can't laugh about anything. Yeah. You, you, everything is too serious to talk about. The moment somebody's so guarded, they don't want to talk about anything. You seem to catch them with something they flare up, they just pack your load and go. If not, the next 20 years after you have gotten married, you will still be fighting each other on that same matter. Yeah. I've been counseling couples now over 20 years. There are some people, when you start counseling with them, they will tell you the first time the thing happened was probably when they just started dating. And it has happened every year since then. And now it's an issue that wants to break the marriage. If you had escaped then, you wouldn't have lived a life of misery for 10 years. And eventually the marriage still breaks. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah? And it's about being able to be vulnerable with each other. So, what really are your values? What's your love language? Yeah. What's your love language? If you haven't read the book, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, get a copy. Yeah. Get a copy. Buy an electronic one online. It's very cheap. Yeah. And read it. Study the five love languages. You, you, you see it there. One is uh, physical touch. One is gift. Uh, quality time. Yeah. Uh, words of affirmation. Act of service. Yeah. So, but you can study it deeper. Time will not permit me to get into it fully today. Or you get the, the message that I preached last Sunday in church. That I think I talked I talk a bit more on that in the second service. Yeah. What's your love language? What makes you feel loved? Because the person that speaks your love language to you has a tendency to bring an attraction into the mix. Many people are cheating today because their emotional needs are not met in their marriage. The person that meets your emotional need and speaks your love language will get your attention more than your spouse. It's a, it's a love nature. Yeah. You just gravitate towards them and before you know it, it's become irredeemable. It starts with an emotional affair and then it becomes a full-blown affair. It's happened over and again, proven over and again. And when you are in a relationship, you don't know your love language, your spouse doesn't know your love language, there's a problem. 
if you bring it to the physical, let's assume that the language you understand the most is French. Your spouse is always speaking English. Yeah. And you yourself think that the language you like the most is Yoruba. So, it's confusion. The day somebody speaks French to you, you just be smiling. And as you are smiling, you are walking towards them. Yeah. You, you will have gone far before you realize that you are mixed up. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. It's very important. So, what's your money language? Let's end on that. Yeah. Somebody said money language. Yes. Money language. There are five money personalities. Yeah. And that's what I want to end on. I'm, I'm teaching all this for you to know there's a need for you to be very authentic with yourself, naked with yourself, so you can be naked with other people. You need to know your personality type. You need to know your love language. You need to know your money personality. There are, there, there are uh, um, five basic money personalities. The spender. The spender, you know, you are carefree with your money and you get, you know, a genuine treat, thrill from making a purchase. You just want to spend. Some people are like that. I say, uh, um, I'll give you a website that you can go after now and do a test that will show you your money personality. When you get into a friendship, a relationship, one of the things that you should talk about is trying to know the money personality of your friend before we even talk about marriage. Yeah. If you are, for instance, a, a saver, a saver, you get you know, a genuine rush from saving money. It doesn't matter, you know, if uh, a purchase is for, for you or a friend or family, you want to get a discount. Yeah. People call you to go out with them to negotiate. Yeah. Because they know that you get a discount from anything. You just want to retain some money. A flyer. You have a tendency to not think much about money. Relationships are more important to you, to a flyer, than money. So if somebody says now, let's hang out, you say, no problem, I'll sponsor it. So far, we're all together. We're laughing together, we're gisting together, we're connected, I'll pay. Relationship is more important. A flyer will buy more things for people to service the relationship. It doesn't matter to him. It's not necessarily a spender. A spender spends anyhow. A flyer is more you know, focused on... Re- when you have two people married, one is a saver, one is a flyer, for instance, uh, in one, on one level, they will, they will connect, which is that, um, let's not spend too much. But you see, the flyer will be spending much more buying things for the children. The saver will not even behave as if we have children. I'll be telling you, I say it's our children, and so what? Ah, we have to save money. You know, when a flyer goes out to shop and buys plenty of things for the spouse, that's when the spouse will look at it and say, this one is too expensive, you have to return it to me. Return this one. This one is okay. I know you bought it for me, but I'm just saying that the money is too much. Yeah. I was in a store one day. A lady came and packed like three or four things and went, you know, to show her husband, maybe in the car or somewhere else. And I just saw that she came back. <laughs> and out of like four things, she came back with three. And it was when she was talking to another lady there that I understood, that I understood what was going on. I said, look, I'm frustrated. I said, this man just doesn't like to spend money. Yeah, he's angry that I bought all these things for him. Are this not nice? And after a while, she was calling my attention. Is this not a nice one? 
I said, yeah, it's nice. But he said, my husband is complaining about the price. That it's too expensive. He doesn't want to enjoy his life. <laughs> you also have the risk taker. These are people who just want to invest. It doesn't matter whether they just lost money from one place where they just invest. They will still want to invest again and again. They get their thrill from investing and taking risk. Putting money into risky ventures, you know, and all that. And you have the security seeker. Who like to have money, you know, in place just for any situation. So whether it's large amount of money or small amount of money, you just want to have money saved. I used to have a friend who is a security seeker. Even when he's going to bed, he wants to have some change in his pocket, in his pajamas. I'm telling you the truth. It's not uh, this thing. So anything can happen in the middle. I just want to be sure that uh, I want to be sure that there's, uh, there's money here. Yeah. Security seekers don't want any kind of embarrassment. They don't live home without money. Yeah. And they want to have small, even if it's small money in fixed deposit, just in case anything happens. Don't touch it. Too. If you marry a security seeker and you have a joint account and they have kept something there and you touch it, that house will not have peace. Yeah. So when you go through this test, uh, can you help me put, um, yeah, go through this test. You can use either the first one or the second one. The easiest one is elevationng.org slash money language. Yeah. If you just do that, take the test, you will know what your money personality is. And it's one of the things that you should be naked and not ashamed about. Let the person that you're dating or you're going out with or you want to marry know that you are a spender. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. Or you are a saver. So what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And then you read more about it. You'll be able to discuss more about it. And instead of this thing causing a lot of conflict in your relationship, they start to help you to build a stronger relationship. Praise God. I said, praise God. Has this been a blessing to you? Let's appreciate Jesus.